be with us. Jesus, we thank you for uh, such a wonderful gathering of people, of great people. We appreciate, uh, God, your word and the spirit of God and the Holy Ghost that moves and works in our lives and accomplishes so many wonderful things uh, that, God, we could never do on our own, and we appreciate what you do for us. Thank you for this opportunity. We praise you this morning. In Jesus' name we praise you. Amen. God bless you. Turn around. Uh, if you're close to somebody, shake their hand. Tell them it is fantastic, awesome, great, and all of those things to see you in the house of the Lord this morning. And uh, God bless you. The last several weeks we have uh, endeavored. Uh, last week, Brother Dave Bunch uh, taught Sunday school, so I'll catch you up a little bit uh, on, our, on our topic. But we were talking about godly wisdom and the application of wisdom uh, in our life and how that wisdom uh, is more than knowledge. Wisdom is more than knowledge. You can know all of the scripture. You can know all of the concepts that God teaches in his word. You can uh, have degrees in theology. You can have all of this stuff, uh, and that is great and wonderful, and we should know, we should have a lot of knowledge of the scripture. But wisdom teaches us how to apply that knowledge. And the Bible talks about two different types of wisdom. And first of all, uh, in the book of James, talks about the wisdom that is, from, uh, that is not from above. And then it talks about the wisdom that is from above. And we're going to uh, read this morning James chapter 3, uh, starting verse 13 through verse 18. And I want you to listen to what the Bible says. James has just got done with his discourse on the tongue and, and how to control your tongue. And he goes right into, uh, in verse 13, who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation or good actions, a good life. Um, this word conversation is your it is your actions, it's your activity, it's how you live, it's your attitude, it's your mindset. He says, show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not, and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. Those last three verses right there, you could teach month-long Bible studies on those three verses. But we won't do that. Verse 17, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. So we're going to talk about this morning, and we began to talk uh, two weeks ago about uh, the seven pillars of wisdom from God. It is the foundation on which a relationship with God is built. We talked about the scripture in Job that says the beginning of wisdom is the fear or the respect 
of the Lord. Somebody told me this past week in, in conversation with them that uh, this man has been involved in ministry for many years uh, and has since retired. And, and he told me, he said, Merrill, one of the things that bothers me about Christian people today, the, the term Christian people, is there's no fear of the Lord. People don't respect God the way they used to. And, uh, but, but Job said the fear of the Lord or the respect of God is the, is the beginning of wisdom. And the Bible goes on to explain that there are seven pillars. This is the foundation. This is uh, pillars are what support. If, if you know uh, anything about construction, and, and perhaps you've seen it when they're building bridges and stuff like that, they have a, a big machine that drives these big concrete piling into the ground, and, and it, it, supports, uh, it supports the foundation of something, supports something. Uh, some of y'all have heard of a guy named Jim Bernhard, uh, the owner of Shaw Construction. His house is so big they had to drive 68 piling to hold up the foundation of the man's house. There's no piling under this church if that will give you an idea how big his house is. Uh, but uh, pillars or pilings are used as a foundation. It gives stability. So if you want... Uh, if you desire, if your ambition, if your goal is a stable, solid, and secure life, a secure relationship with God, one that is not easily moved. It's one that Jesus talked about in the New Testament when he said that the winds and the storms come and the man's house that was built on the sand washed away, but those that were built on the rock or on the pillar or on a sure foundation withstood the storm that we need to implement in our life the seven pillars of wisdom. It is our foundation for our relationship with God. It's, it's wisdom from above. First of all, James says that godly wisdom is pure. This, the, the Bible tells us the Holy Ghost purifies our soul in 1 Peter 1 and 22, and it causes us to be pure. Uh, pure, and we talked about this a few weeks ago, so let me just review this one point. Uh, pure in this verse, in the original language, means you're clean, you're innocent, and you're modest, and you're chaste. You're able to control yourself. You're not, uh, you're not out there acting crazy or whatever. God's Word, the Bible, tells us that Christians should have a pure heart. In 1 Timothy 1 and 5 and 1 Peter, the Bible tells us that we should have a pure heart, one that is clean. We should have a clean heart. The Bible also tells us in 1 Timothy 3 and 9 that we should have a pure conscience. Our conscience should not, uh, should not be unclean. We should clean our conscience. We should have an innocent conscience. If you know that you've done something, then we should try our best to reconcile uh, I gave an illustration, I think, two weeks ago. I'll give it again if you'll pardon me. But uh, several years ago when I was a teenager, that's been at least, what, four or five years ago, something like that, give or take a few. On my way, man, I was like 15. I was a heathen. And uh, a friend of mine and I were going, uh, going fishing, and we were going through Woodville, and we stopped at a little store, and I shoplifted something from there. It's the only time I've ever stolen anything uh, from a store, and I don't even know what made me do it. 
but it bothered me. Every time I drove through Woodville after that, I saw that little store and it bothered me. My conscience wasn't clean. My conscience wasn't innocent. I knew that I had wronged that store. And, and so I had to stop in there and make a purchase and then go put it back on the shelf to somehow clear my conscience of the fact that I had stolen from that. And the Bible says that we should have a pure conscience. And then in 2 Peter chapter 3, the Bible says that we should have a pure mind. God demands of us. He paid a price for us. And so he can ask us to have a clean or a pure mind. We should be pure in our life. We should be pure in our spirit. God asks us to be moral, uh, pure, morally pure, mentally pure, spiritually pure. We should not uh, engage in these things. P purity, according to the word of God, is a pillar supporting our claim to wisdom. The second thing the Bible talks about in the book of James that is a sign or uh, shows us our wisdom or shows when people are wise is that we are peaceable. It's the second pillar of wisdom. People that are wise understand that confusion, backbiting, strife, arguing, fussing, fighting, dissension, and all of that stuff, not only does it contaminate them, but it also damages the work of God. How many, uh, and, and, and I understand the, who I'm speaking to today, some of you have great tenure in a relationship with God and how many church situations have you heard of or been a part of or even witnessed where there was great strife and great damage done to an assembly because of some uh, a, a person or a group of people that spread uh, rumors or caused dissension and always fought and, and fussed between each other. Uh, Brother Murphy tells a story of a church a uh, situation that he knows of where a church split and, and there was two factions in that church and, and there was one faction that sat on this side and the other faction sat on that side and they didn't speak to each other and all of that and even one night uh, the pastor later found out that they had all brought guns to church just in case the other side got too crazy they were going to shoot them. That's a true story. I know where that happened. I was not a part of that situation, thank God. So if you profess godly wisdom, if you profess this strong relationship with God, then you are going to realize and understand that that type of attitude, that that type of action, not only does it damage you, but it damages the work of God. And I will tell you that somebody, uh, and, and talking about that very situation, uh, we've we got people packing guns to church. That is crazy just in case the other side gets too unruly. What are you going to do, man? Really? I've heard of fist fights. I've heard of all kinds of stuff. But in the middle of that very situation, they had people receiving the Holy Ghost. God's not always, uh, it's not always what you're saying. God's got the ability. But anyway, it will damage the work of God. That's a very uh, difficult environment for revival. It's a very difficult environment for 
miracle working power to manifest itself because you have such strife. And, and so people that claim this relationship with God know that they should not act like that. Please, nobody at Grace bring your gun to church just in case another saint acts up. That is not wise. And it's hard to say that I am this great Christian person. I'm a stalwart child of God. I'm close to God. The whole time you're hating somebody else. It's a pillar of wisdom. In Matthew chapter 5 and verse 9, the Bible says that peacemakers are going to be called the children of God. James chapter 3 and 18 says the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. We are to follow after things which make for peace according to Romans 14. The work of righteousness is peace and the effect of righteousness is quietness and assurance according to Isaiah 32. What an incredible scripture. Chastening yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness according to to Hebrews 12. We are to follow peace with all men and holiness without which uh, no man shall see the Lord. Follow after peace. Be a peaceable person. Don't start trouble. Don't, uh, don't engage in that kind of activity. Understand that peace, being a peaceable person, is a pillar of wisdom. It tells people that they are wise. When somebody says something negative about you, how are you going to react? Well, bless God, I'm going to show them where they at. That lets you know then that they have a lot of maturing left to do. They have a lot of growing left to do. Being at peace with ourselves and peace with others and at peace with God is a mark of wisdom. It's a mark of maturity. We've grown past I remember where uh, one of the places I used to manage, there was a man, he was in his early 40s. I, if I remember correctly, he was like 42, 43 years old, and, and uh, he was a big, strong guy. He really was. And when I started that job, my boss said, look, one of your tasks is going to be to fire him. And he said, but I'm going to tell you, you don't know him. I mean, I'm just starting a job, just hired on. I don't even have a clue who this guy is. He said, but I'm telling you, when you call him into your office to fire him, you better have the city police with you because he's going to fire you. Well, that just made me feel all great, warm, and fuzzy right there. And so in conversation with this guy, um, had come to find out that three or four months earlier, he had gotten in an argument with somebody at McDonald's in the drive-thru. The little guy, the little teenage boy working in the drive-thru and actually reached out of his vehicle through the window, the drive-thru window, and got a hold of that boy's shirt, pulled him through the drive-thru window and beat the stuffing out of him and put that boy in the hospital. And I told him, I said, Jeff, I called his name, I said, congratulations, buddy. The difference between humans and crickets is that humans use conflict resolution skills. Crickets don't. So you're about as smart as a cricket. He did not appreciate that. Be a peacemaker. Don't look for trouble. I know there's times that things make you 
uh, aggravated or mad, but don't look for trouble. Don't uh, engage that kind of activity. Be a peacemaker, and that transitions right into what James says is the third pillar of wisdom, and that's gentleness. Gentleness, according to Galatians chapter 5, is one of the first, was one of the nine fruits of the Spirit. This is uh, a fruit, and, and, and you understand the concept of the fruit when a seed is planted, and it begins to grow. It begins to bring uh, a fruit out. Say if you plant a corn plant, then eventually you will see, hopefully, ears of corn. In Galatians chapter 5, the Bible says when the Holy Ghost is planted on the inside of you, it begins to grow. And as it begins to grow, it begins to mature. And as it matures, it brings fruit. And so when you see people manifesting the fruit, that's how you know the Holy Ghost is matured in their life or has grown. Isn't that neat? So when you see when you see Christian people that, that don't display these things, then you know that God's still working on them. And he's working on everybody, you understand that. But gentleness is one of the nine fruits of the Spirit, but is also a pillar of wisdom. It helps us to understand, it helps us to uh, grasp and to support our relationship with God. In uh, and, and James' writing, he's talking about people that at one time you were rough and, and uh, unkind and hateful people. Some people are just hateful. But after you get the Holy Ghost, uh, that part of our nature should begin to change. Upon receiving the Spirit of God, we should become gentle. God's gentleness can make us just as great, just as, make us just as great as people like David. When David manifested in 2 Samuel a gentle spirit. Paul exhibited gentleness uh, to the, uh, the church in Thessalonium uh, as, as talking about nursing uh, to nursing children. I'm sorry, I'll get it here in a second, but they're talking about nursing uh, children or taking care of them or raising them up or or to be patient with them, to be kind to them, to be gentle. Ministers, according to 2 Timothy, are commanded by the word of God to be gentle. Christians, the Bible says, who are led by the Spirit will be gentle towards them. Be gentle. Don't be harsh and cruel to people. I, uh, in trying to engage some of the uh, some of the things that we've been teaching at Grace about outreach. Christy and I a couple of weeks ago were at Burger King. Now, I hate fast food. But we just so happened to have to, uh, to stop at Burger King. And, and uh, so we're standing in line, and there's this elderly man comes up behind us in line. And we're waiting a little while. And, and um, so I told Christy, I said, I'm going to buy this guy's lunch. Just... Don't know him, never met him, maybe never see him again, but I want to buy his lunch. So she said, okay, we go in and we order our food. And, and I tell the lady behind the, the cash register, I said, now look, we're going to buy this man's uh, lunch, so don't worry about it. Just with, don't total us up yet. Whenever he orders, we'll, we'll pay for it. He walks up, 
and says, I would like a double whopper meal. And the girl says, would you like cheese on that? Because she is instructed by her boss to ask. Everybody that orders a sandwich, you have to ask them, do you want cheese? So the girl says, would you like cheese on that? And he goes off on her. Would you listen to what I'm telling you? And I'm like, whoa. He finally got her, or she finally got his order, and I was really embarrassed for her. I was really, I felt sorry for the poor girl. She did nothing wrong. So I bought his meal anyway. So he walks up to me and said, man, you didn't have to do that. I said, well, I just want to bless you today. It's no big deal. Well, you know, bless God. God's been so good to me, and I just love the Lord. And I'm sitting there thinking, man, alive, dude. You just absolutely chewed this poor girl up. She did nothing wrong, and now he's over there being sweet to me. Man, brother, I sure appreciate that. You know, we're all brothers in Christ, and blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking, dude, gentle. Be gentle with people. Be gentle with people. There's a, a story, and I'm going to finish this study today one way or the other, but there's a story that, we, that I need to tell. The, the founder of the American Bible Society in 1900 um, was going to Philadelphia, just a two or three hour train ride um, from New York City. And he was, in New, he was in New York and him and a group of guys uh, starting the American Bible Institute got on a train and they began their journey to Philadelphia. And just a few minutes into that journey, they got up and they moved to the dining car of the train and they sat down at the table and began to talk. And it was very busy in there. And, and this waiter uh, walked by and, and so, uh, so the founder of the American Bible Institute, I don't remember his name, raised his hand and the waiter stopped and he said, sir, I'd like to get a glass of just plain water. And the waiter said, I'd be happy to take care of that for you. And so about 15 or 20 minutes later, uh, this man raised his hand again. He stopped the waiter and he said, sir, whenever you get a moment, I'd like to get a, a glass of water. And the guy said, but he said, I'm so sorry. You've already asked for that once. And, and so he goes off and, and it's, it's several minutes later and, and he still hasn't gotten a glass of water and he stops the waiter again. And, and, and very gently, he says, sir, if you don't mind, uh, I know he's very busy in here, but if you get a chance, I would like to get a glass of water. And the, and the waiter was so apologetic, and, and I'm sorry, and I'll take care of that. And, and time goes on, and time goes on, and still doesn't have a glass of water. And, and finally, when they're just about 10 or 15 minutes out from the uh, station in Philadelphia, the waiter walks up, and he says, Sir, I am so sorry for your bad service today. You still don't have a glass of water, and, and we have received the orders here to uh, we, the conductor said now we're to shut down the kitchen and we can no longer serve and he said so you still don't have your glass of water and you've been so kind and so nice and I'm so sorry for the bad service that you received and I want you to know that it's not the railroad's fault you see sir the waiter said I have one child she's a 12 year old little girl she's my pride and joy and he said, just as we pulled out of the station in New York City to head down here, I found out she had been struck and killed by a car. But we were already in motion, and that way I couldn't get off the train. So in Philadelphia here, I'm going to get on another train to go back home to try to take care of my family. So my mind has been preoccupied. I said that story to illustrate gentleness. 
and a lot of times in our business dealings or in dealings at restaurants, I see it a lot there. We get a little aggravated with the waitress or the waiter or we get frustrated with the guy in line in front of us at Walmart because it seems that he's taking a long time and the woman's fumbling through her purse and, and we'll make comments. I've been guilty of it. I wish you'd have your money. You know you're at Walmart, ding dong, and you're going to buy a buggy load of groceries. When you get ready to get to the checkout line, have your credit card out. You've been waiting in line for 30 minutes because you know at Walmart on Saturday, the busiest day of the week, they've only got two registers open. Remember in your dealings with people that you don't know what's going on on the inside of them. You don't know why they're at Walmart. Maybe they're buying supplies because they're fixing to leave to go on a journey to a child or to a parent's funeral. You don't know what's happening on the inside of them. So, so take a step back when before you get too mad and before you get too aggravated and, and engage the Holy Ghost and say, God, um, I don't know necessarily what's going on in this person's life. Maybe they're just forgetful, but maybe it's not. And demonstrate gentleness. Demonstrate gentleness. The fourth pillar of wisdom that the Bible talks about is easy to be entreated. The word entreated comes from a Greek word, yopithis, meaning good for persuasion or compliant, easy to be entreated. What the Bible is saying here is that wise Christians, people that are moving forward in their relationship with God are not obstinate, unyielding individuals, but are always open to hear the word of God, and realize that when the word of God speaks to them or when the Bible says certain things that we're going to yield to the word of God, we're going to yield to what God wants us to do. It is a pillar of wisdom. It's easy to be entreated. So when the word of God says, and I taught in Bible study Friday night um, at a home Bible study, when the when the Bible says to do certain things, we do them. And when the Bible says don't do certain things, we don't do them. It's easy to be entreated. Uh, culture and society today has bred uh, a group of people that say that I, I don't know. And Brother Murphy even testified this past Wednesday night that people have told him straight to his face, I don't care what the Bible says. I'm going to do what I want to do the way I want to do it. And if that is your attitude, if that is an attitude of a person that claims a relationship with God, that claims they are a child of God, then they are not being easily entreated and that is not a very wise place. Paul mentions that he was a man of great flexibility in his own testimony in 1 Corinthians 9. When people are stubborn, it is an indication that you lack Wisdom. Now, I've been stubborn all my life. You ask my mama. Dear old mama will tell you, hard headed. And there are some times that being a little bit hard headed is a good thing. There have been times in my life I should have probably just quit. 
church, whatever it was. But you know what? I was too hard-headed to stop. Just kept plowing. And in that way, I guess it's okay. But when the Bible says easy to be entreated, it doesn't mean you obey uh, everybody out there or you do things that are wrong because somebody tells you. It means that you live by the word of God. And when the word of God says it, you believe it. And that's what you apply to your life. You're easy to be entreated. It is a pillar of wisdom. The fifth pillar of wisdom is to be full of mercy and good fruits, according to James. A child of God that is merciful obtains mercy. Do you want mercy when you need it? Sure you do. So you should give mercy when other people need it. I cannot believe that brother so-and-so did such-and-so. Pastor ought to sit down and have some church. That's a low-down, rotten, no-good-for-nothing person. Be careful because something may happen in your life. It's easy to sit on the judgment seat when everything seems to be going great. But when things start falling apart with you and your family in your life, y'all have mercy on me. I've had people tell me... I. I really hope that you'll have mercy on my kid. My kid has done such and such. Or I hope the church is merciful to my children. And I have seen people with, I've seen it with my own eyes. I've seen pastors that were so merciful, so merciful with their church people. The people would kid would do something crazy and get off into whatever and the pastor would so much, ain't no crucify nobody tell the church, just, it's just going to be alright and that very pastor's child do something and the church reciprocate that mercy, it's incredible when we see that, so be full of mercy towards people, don't refuse mercy to other people mercy by short definition if you want to call it that is is when you don't receive what you deserve. Sometimes we deserve to be run out of the church. Sometimes we deserve a good thumping on the head. Sometimes we deserve that. But we don't always get it. And that is the best, uh, the best thing that we can do is, is don't, don't criticize, don't tear people up, even though sometimes, yes, they deserve it. Be merciful to people, and you shall reap merciful mercy because we reap what we sow. If God has been merciful to us, then who are we to not extend that to other people? Being merciful and good of, and full of good fruits uh, to, to health, to, to good works, to do things for people uh, are, are combined in the Bible. To be full of good fruits is the fruit of the Spirit. And, and we already talked about that in Galatians chapter 5, but there's so many uh, of the fruits of the Spirit, and I'm trying to hurry, but be full of those things. Be full of kindness and gentleness and, and meekness and love and, and patience. Be full of these things. It's a pillar of wisdom 
then the Bible says that we should be without partiality. Do you realize that God is a just God? God loves everybody. God is not a respecter of persons. But we are. Some of us anyway, maybe. Hopefully you're not. Christian people that are partial. Now, we're all partial to our kids a little bit. I have the two best-looking kids that were ever born. I don't care what you say. I know yours were good-looking. Yes, they were. But mine were just a little bit better-looking than your kids. I understand that. I understand grandparents. Their grandkids are the best. I understand there's a little bit of partiality there. But when it comes to the gospel, when it comes to the love of Jesus Christ, when it comes to reaching somebody, and we decide that I am not going to share the gospel with them because of whatever it is. I don't like the way they dress. Their car isn't nice enough to come to our church. Partiality uh, is a killer of a church. Everybody, the Bible says, whosoever will. In, in Revelation chapter 3, Jesus told the church, I have set before you an open door. The door is open, and whoever out there is welcome to walk into the church. They're welcome to come. No partiality. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter your lot in life. It doesn't matter your upbringing. It doesn't matter your economic status. It doesn't matter the kind of clothes you can wear. It, all of that doesn't matter to God, and it should not matter to the child of God. And a wise Christian realizes the value of a soul. And that it is more important for a person to be in a church, on a church pew, engaged in a relationship with God. That is far more important than any of the other stipulations we put on people. So the Bible says the sixth pillar of wisdom is, is to be without partiality. And then the seventh and final pillar of wisdom the Bible talks about is without hypocrisy. Jesus addresses hypocrisy many times in dealing with the Pharisees. If you Has anybody ever read the four Gospels? How many times does Jesus look at the, 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 the Pharisees and call them hypocrites? I, don't, I can't even count them. I don't remember. Thou hypocrite. Because the, the Pharisees would say one thing and do something else. I remember when I was a teenager, um, I had a, a boy that I went to high school with. His name was Donnie. We went to his house one day and we were sitting in the living room of his house, and, and there was eight or ten of us guys there, and no parents at home, you know, and man, just about everybody in that group was smoking. And his dad came home early from work and walked in there and called all us teenage boys in there smoking. Just like Bill Clinton, half of us weren't in hell. We didn't even know how to smoke, but we just thought it was cool. His dad walks in. And man, it got dead quiet. 
people was putting out some cigarettes left and right. Not that you could tell because he couldn't see through the plume of smoke. You thought if you crushed it out, you know, he would think that was left over from the And he said, boys, I want to talk to you. I know you think that it is cool to smoke, but it's not. And I really wish y'all would not smoke at all. And he went through this long 10-minute tirade about smoking and the effects of your health, the effects of your life, your pocketbook, how it's not cool, it's not sanitary, it stinks, blah, blah, blah. The whole time he had a cigarette hanging out of his mouth. It didn't have a lot of impact coming from him because he was preaching one message but following another. And a Christian person that sings that song on Sunday, if we still sing it, the Holy Ghost makes me just, I just want to love everybody. Anybody remember that song? Makes me want to love, that old time religion, makes me want to love everybody. And turn around and walk out and live something opposite. It is hypocrisy. And the only people that Jesus condemned in the Bible to their face were hypocrites. They were religious people that taught one thing and lived something else. Jesus condemned them. Now, he gave them opportunity to repent. He gave them opportunity to get their life straightened. But he condemned them. He did not condemn all of the other people. And when people uh, profess this relationship with God, but they live outside of the word of God, you're a hypocrite. We need to line up with the word of God. Not change it, but line up with it and show people that we are who we say we are and that we have obtained wisdom. 1 Peter chapter 2 says that Christians are to lay aside hypocrisies, to not be a hypocrite anymore. Job spoke of a hypocrite often and and gave them a lot of warnings. And and all of these that I'm fixing to mention are from the book of Job, and I've got to hurry. The In Job chapter 8, he says, the hypocrite's hope shall perish. The hypocrite shall not come before God. The congregation of hypocrites shall be desolate. The innocent are stirred against the hypocrite. The joy of the hypocrite is for a moment. What is the hope of the hypocrite when God takes away his soul? According to Job chapter 27. The hypocrite in heart heaps up wrath, according to Job chapter 36. It's it's time for us, if we profess a relationship with God, if we profess to be Christ-like or to be a Christian, then it is time for us to live up to what the Word of God says we should be. Stop being a hypocrite. Stop living one thing and saying another. Uh, Be who God wants you to be. It is a sign or a pillar, a foundation of a relationship with God. The Bible says in James chapter 1 and verse 5, concluding today, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God 
that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given of him, given him. So in the course of the last three weeks, in going over uh, this study on godly wisdom, if you feel like in any of these, these seven areas that you're lacking, then ask God, the Bible says. He gives it liberally. He won't upbraid if God wants us to have wisdom. God, throughout the word of God in the beginning of his study, we, we read so many scriptures where it says that God wants us to be wise and wants us to have wisdom and something that God wants us to have that much. He Not only does he give it, but he gives liberally. He won't hold it back. He'll give it to you if you just ask him. Because wisdom, God understands these seven pillars, these seven foundations. If we can accomplish these, then we can have that productive and powerful relationship with God that we all desire. We can be what God wants us to be. We can be the witness that God wants us to be. We can have the impact that God wants us to have. If we can obtain this wisdom from God and to be pure in, in, our, in our intentions and in our mindsets and our attitudes to to not be a hypocrite, to, to be easily entreated, to be willing to serve, to be willing to be merciful. If we can understand and get a hold of these concepts, it will take our relationship with God and move it light years ahead of where we uh, are currently at. And we never stop growing. I know some that you know, serve God for 60, 70, 80 years, but you never stop growing. We can always do just a little bit better than what we're doing right now. Praise the Lord. Thank you this morning for your attention to the word of God. I pray that God will uh, bless your heart, that God will speak to you through the word of God, that we can become more and more what he wants us to be. Praise the Lord. Don't go anywhere. We have a second service that's going to be starting in just a few minutes at 11. Uh, we have incredible presentation uh, that you're not going to want to miss. So God bless you. Shake somebody's hand. Be friendly. Smile real big. If you don't know them, Show them the back molars in your mouth. If you have some, and uh, tell them it's good to see you in the house of the Lord.